You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo, and we are back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And of course, I am joined by the man coming off a little illness. It is the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Ted, how are you? Um, I'm pretty good, man. It's uh, Christmas season. This is one of my favorite times of the years. I'm one of those guys. I like to watch all the old Christmas movies. I, I just get a big kick out of that, you know. And uh, one of my favorites is. Uh, uh, Scrooge, yeah. and it's uh, uh, okay. What's his name? Is He's with, passed away now. Is it with George C. Scott? Yes, he he plays Scrooge better than anybody I've ever seen. That's 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 my favorite. That's my favorite Christmas movie. Anyway, I love that. I love that one too. Invariably, if my wife and I are gonna watch something, though, I'm like, "Hey, let's watch Scrooge," and she's like, "Yeah." And then she puts on like a Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, that's not what I meant, but okay. <laughs> you know, look, it's uh, we're excited about Christmas, and we're actually gonna be discussing something holiday related here on the show, Ted. Okay. Uh, we are let's looking. Get to it. <laughs> <laughs> we are looking back to 1995. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of touched on this, this part of your career a little bit earlier on the Steve Austin episode that we did. Um, a part of that conversation included your involvement at In Your House Seasons Beatings with the fake Santa Claus. But this week, we're telling the full story of that event and all the circumstances surrounding it in late 1995 for our next look at the new generation era in the WWF. I'm excited to get into it, Ted. But look, if you want to give yourself a little Christmas gift, then get over to youtube.com forward slash at everybody's got a pod and get subscribed. That giveaway that we've got going on is going to be wrapping up at the end of the month here. We'll select our two winners at the start of 2024. As a reminder, we're giving away a signed Ted WWE Elite Legends figure and a signed WWE Superstars figure. And you can become eligible to be one of our two winners by simply subscribing on YouTube. Plus, we have stories that you will not hear on the podcast over there that we drop every single Monday as a YouTube exclusive clips. So if you're not subscribed there, you're missing out on even more stories from the legendary Million Dollar Man. Again, it's YouTube.com slash at Everybody's Got a Pod. Go and get subscribed right now. So, Ted, at the end of October here in 1995, Dustin Rhodes is going to make his WWF return, but... His gimmick is a little bit different than when you worked with him previously. Now he's here as Gold Dust, a character which, which Vince will categorize as androgynous. So, uh, Ted, when Dustin arrives here in the WWF again, and now he's Gold Dust, uh, what were your initial thoughts? I was like, this is just crazy. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, <laughs> it goes back to... Uh, and I believe it was Arn Anderson who said this to me. He said, Teddy says, you do know that Vince doesn't like wrestling. <laughs> it's like wrestling is the bastard child of the entertainment industry. And he's always trying to make it or present it as something more acceptable to the public than just the old, you know, 
because back in the day, back in my father's era and everything, you know, uh, your your wrestling crowd was pretty, you know, you know, you, you didn't see a lot of polo shirts and khaki pants right. at the at the wrestling matches. It was a rough crowd. And uh, I think that this is one of those things Vince wanted to do to, again, target a younger audience. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, hard to talk about it, you know, uh, because, you know, the, the day and age where it's, you know, everything's offensive nowadays. But, you know, really, it's just something that happened in the WWF at this time. It was a controversial character. It's a character that worked and resonated with a lot of people. But yeah, Ted, I mean, you know, you're coming you're personally, you're coming from that old school era. You're from Amarillo and Mid-South and, you know, all yeah. these kind of blood and guts territories. And now you're seeing Dustin Rhodes, who you worked with previously, uh, Dusty Rhodes' son. And he's in this very unique character. I mean, like, uh, personally, did you think it was a good idea to do a character like this? Uh, not really. You know, I, I did, you know, and, and to uh, Dustin's credit, I mean, uh, I, you know, I don't know what, and I never really talked to him about it. You know, I didn't really want to bring it up, you know, whether he uh, was mad about it or not mad about it, but he, hey, he did it, you know, and he did, he did the best he could with it, I, I believe, so. And, and and the other thing I often wonder sometimes is if, you know, if, if it's whatever re for whatever reason that this was Vince taking a shot of Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what like a lot of people viewed it as, especially given Vince's history of kind of taking shots with Akeem, the the African Dream, and and of course when he brought Dusty and putting him in polka dots, but. Like much like his father owned the polka dots, Dustin came in here as Gold Dust, and he just went full on with the character. So you've got to yeah. give him a lot of credit. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll move off of uh, Gold Dust here, but Ted, I've I've got to ask you this question. Uh, 1987, Vince offers you a big money contract to come in, but it's not the Million Dollar Man character; it's the Gold Dust character. Uh, are we seeing that version of Ted DiBiase if that had been the circumstances, or would you have denied it? Let's say that again. <laughs> so I'm just trying to get your mind back to 1987. You know, okay. you get this big money offer from Vince McMahon to come into the WWF. He's all excited about this character that he's pitching to you. And he says, okay, Ted, this character is called Gold Dust. He's going to be an androgynous character. You're going to wear a full body gold suit. You're going to paint your face and you're going to wear a wig. And uh, Ted, would that have worked for you? Would, do you think you would have accepted a big money offer to do it? Honestly, I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, it's like, um, I, you know, I just, I don't think I could have done it. Uh, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you do something, you know, your heart's got to be in it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like, uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be a character in your show, but, you know, I, I would, you know, I just, I wouldn't, I'd, I wouldn't have been able to do it for that reason. Um, so we've got another arrival here in the WWF at this time. Ahmed Johnson is coming into the company. Um, and out of the gate, he's getting a ton of hype and a huge crowd reaction. Ted, did you get to spend a lot of time with Ahmed? Not not really. Um, and, um, uh, you know, big guy, uh, great, great, great appearance, obviously. But you know, he, you know, again, 
uh, you know, Vince was going to push him because he was the size he was. Mm-hmm. It looked like he did, but you know, it, it, he wasn't a great worker. In other words, he, he had to have somebody on the other side of the ring who could lead him. And if he didn't have that, then, you know, he was, he just, again, that's just, it's one of those things. I've heard he was not easy to get along with. Um, Jake was actually, when Jake would come into the company here in 96, um, he was tasked with trying to help him uh, understand the business and promos and and how to work better and ring psychology, all that sort of thing. And Jake said that the guy would just, he'd try to teach him shit and the guy would just blow him off. And he said like he was just an asshole and he was really arrogant. Um, did you get to see that side of Ahmed or was that just Jake who was, you know, had to be, well, you know, um, I don't think I ever personally saw it. Uh, but now that you said that, I know that Jake and I had, had talked about it. And so, um, you know, again, this is, in my opinion, it's it's Vince, you know, trying to prove that he can make anybody a champion. Because, yeah. you know, he wasn't, you know, he couldn't work. He was a great big body and he, and he couldn't work. And, and, and that's, there's a lot of guys like that, you know, but when you're like that and, and, and you know your future depends on the guy that's calling the match and you blow him off. Well, you know, then the next time he gets in the ring with you, guess what? He's going to make you look like shit. And Jake could like, you Jake know, did, and I think Jake did. Yep. Like yeah. Jake is not ever going to overpower Ahmed Johnson, but he knows all the tricks, like leaning on a guy and just blowing oh. him up yeah. and making his life miserable in the ring. Yep. Yeah, so it's Ahmed did not last long here in the WWF. And honestly, it's like, you know, a guy, he's a former pro football player for the Dallas Cowboys, as a matter of fact. Uh, Like, this guy was, you know, a a legit athlete. It's just one of those things. It's like, I think it's what's going on between the ears and your willingness to listen and learn. And it sounds like he just was not there. Yeah, and I I don't know, maybe maybe it's because he, he, you know, he came out of the National Football League, you know, a, a legitimate you know, sport where, you know, it was not, it's not a work. It's not entertainment. I mean, you're a real, you're, you're a real athlete competing and he was competing, you know, obviously at football at the highest level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and maybe, maybe because of that, he, you know, maybe that's what made him think his shit didn't stink. You know, but when you come in, you, you can take that and you, when you come into our world, you can take all of that and just throw it out the window because, you know, wrestling is sports entertainment. And you have to learn how to entertain the people, and you need you need to how you need to learn how to read a crowd and all of those other things. And you know, if you're not willing to do that, then you're not going to last long. And he didn't. Yep, a bod, a great body, a, a great look is one element of the many many elements it takes to succeed in professional wrestling. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, you don't even have to have a great body. Look at me, you know. I looked like an athlete, you know, but I didn't look like I just came off a cover of Muscle Fitness magazine mm-hmm. ever. So, uh, yeah, and you, you, I've heard you reference Buck Robley before and say like, what, "What an awesome worker! What a great pro wrestler he was!" And he certainly wasn't a body guy. So yeah, there's something to it. Like you know, maybe the body's overrated. Oh, definitely. 
It's funny because as we were talking about Ahmed Johnson, uh, as we were both kind of like describing him, and yeah. I was like, it sounds exactly like Warrior, essentially. Yeah. Just like a self-centered guy, not really interested in getting better, thinks he just deserves to be pushed because of his look. Um, oh, yeah. That's, it's, it's, it'd be like, like okay, I'm, you know, hey, look, you know, who, who are you? I, I just came out of the NFL. And I said, you know, I would, well, my answer to that, if it was ever that, I said, well, this is not the NFL. And you know what? And you, and you better learn how to do that or you ain't going to last long. Yep. And it, it proved out for both him and Warrior. They did not last long. No. So, and so, you know, that's that's the truth of the matter. Uh, so, Ted, allegedly the click has a lot of power backstage uh, during this period. Uh, we have this from the November 27th Observer. From reports we've received, the click met with Vince McMahon on the road a few times. And one of the conversations regarded going through the roster person by person and evaluating whether they belonged or should be moved up or down. So the report would go on to indicate that the suggestions made by the click were not followed through on. But have you ever heard of circumstances where the boys are getting the opportunity to tell a promoter what other ta- like which other talent should stay or go? No. And I'll be honest with you, that's the first time I heard that. So I've heard the story before. I, this is, you know, I, I hadn't read it in, uh, you know, from Meltzer until I heard the research. But the story goes that they were in, in, in Indianapolis one night and they didn't like the house show they were booked on. And they said, we're not going to go to the building. And I think they called the office and said, hey, we're not doing it. We're not going to go to the building. We don't like the booking. And Vince flew to Indianapolis and met with them to kind of like negotiate, okay, what's wrong? What can I, what can we fix? How can we make the company better? And they, uh, according, I, I think it was Kevin Nash actually said this. He was like, they went person by person through the roster and said like, this guy is good. This guy's not here to be a team player. This guy sucks. Like they went, they went all the way through the roster. It's like, man, when I heard it, it's like, I can't be real, but I've heard it corroborated enough now that it's like, man, maybe where there's smoke, there's fire, I guess. Wow. Hmm. Wow, wow, wow. I mean, we all hear that Vince had like a kind of an infatuation with Shawn Michaels. For whatever reason, he just saw this massive potential in Shawn and Shawn could like do no wrong, always took Shawn's side. And no matter how many issues he had outside of the ring, Vince always kind of had his back and supported him. A lot of stuff going on with Shawn at this time. And like, you know, look, he uh, he's got heat with just about everybody backstage during this era. Um, I know that you and Sean are friends today, and certainly circumstances change. He's older, wiser. He's a different man, a better man. Oh, um, totally. But like during this time, like, <clears throat> were you aware of how much heat he was getting with everybody that wasn't inside of his friend group? Uh, well, I knew they had a little heat, you know, and and you know, and, and you know, and, and he was like a little Hall of Nash too. You know, it's kind of like. Uh, it's kind of like a natural thing is, you know, when you, uh, it was almost like, you know, we're, we're, we're the new guys on the block and we're here to take over, you know, and, uh, basically I just smile and grin <laughs> my, my own business go my way. As long as it doesn't affect me directly, I stay out of it. But if it's going to affect my future, and my and who and and how I'm handled within the business, then you know that's when I that's the only time I try to stay out of everybody everybody else's mess. I've got to give you credit, Ted, because it, it feels like it would be tough uh, to stay out of it during that time, especially because I mean, you're, yes, you're a manager, but you're still a talent. So it's like you know yeah. you kind of see guys you know being a little bit pushy and getting their way backstage during this period of time. 
uh, and you're like, hey, look, I'm just I'm just here to do my job and go home. I don't want the drama. So that's that's how you have a nice long. Well, that's what I'm saying is like, you know, like and, and that's the thing is at this point, I'm not I'm not an active member in terms of, you know, um, I'm a manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and so I'm not I'm not ever in directly in the spotlight. I'm only there to represent my team and, and be their spoke and, and be their spokesperson, whoever they might be. And so that's that's how I was able to just stay clear of it. Dad, I didn't want to let this episode pass by without asking you about this ridiculous stuff. During this time, the WWF is doing something pretty interesting with an impersonator coming into the company who has nothing to do with wrestling. Uh, let's go ahead and check out a quick, a quick clip, and then I can get your thoughts on the matter. All my life, ever since I was a young boy in Hope, Arkansas, I, uh, I've been a fan of the new generation of WWF superstars. Uh, there is no equal. I, I especially like the uh, Monday Night Raw series where we get the family together and get a little popcorn and sit around and watch some of the best entertainment this country has to offer. Well, uh, of course, there's Diesel. Uh, he's big and strong and at seven feet, uh, he is an awesome physical specimen. And of course, there's Razor Ramon. He's one of my favorites too. Uh, you know, he just oozes of machismo. And uh, well, then again, there's the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, uh, who uh, has all the women. But uh, you know, I think he might have taken a lesson or two from me. You know, uh, I'm known as a little bit of a ladies' man too. You know, um, you know, it's no secret that uh, power is the ultimate aphrodisiac. And well, when it comes to power, I've got it. All right. So, Ted, I have think? never seen that. <laughs> when did that ever air? It was, uh, he was actually around uh, quite a bit. So, this is 95, like I, I want to say, like November. How could I have missed that? <laughs> you didn't know that there was an impersonator around? Oh. <laughs> it was an impersonator. It was. That was not Bill Clinton. It was just oh, a very, very oh, good well, It looked just like him. Sounded like him. Like it yeah. was an incredible impersonator. Yeah. But it's <laughs> like I know it's election season. You know, it's November at this time, so it's like okay, I I get that you're trying to kind of play into what's topical. But man, uh, objectively, Ted, did you find that entertaining? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did find it entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't know which route you were going to go because we hear all the time as fans, like when it comes to wrestling storylines, you want to stay away from uh, religion and you want to stay away from politics and you want to stay away from like sexuality, right? Uh, but but yeah. here Vince is just like, nope, we're going to bring on an impersonator. We're going to reference uh, the Monica Lewinsky scandal and let's just have some fun. It's, oof, man, I don't know. Well, I, I, you know, I take it off. I, the one thing that I've always said about Vince is he's, you know, he's got a pretty big set of cojones, buddy. <laughs> yes, he does. 
he does. And I mean, like, if it's me running a company, I'm saying like, nope, because, you know, God, who knows how many Democrats are huge wrestling fans and they're going to tune in and see us kind of trashing Bill Clinton and say, you know what? I'm not watching WWF anymore. I'll go check out WCW, you know? So it is, it's a huge risk. Uh, You could, uh, you could isolate theoretically half of your audience. Yeah. Obviously I don't think Vince cared. (laughs) (laughs) I guess not. Oh man, but yeah, it's uh, when I was doing the research, I was like, they had a Bill Clinton impersonator, and I went searching for videos. I was like, okay, this has got to be in the show. Wow. Um. All right, so let's get into discussion about our subject here, which is of course in your house seasons beatings from December seventeenth, nineteen ninety five, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Ted, your night is going to start out on uh, the match that opens the pay per view. It's a tag team match with your guys, Sid and the One Two Three Kid, losing to Marty Jannetty and Razor Ramon. So, uh, Ted, the combination of Sid and Kid here—it's—it's it's interesting because it's like two guys that you know have literally nothing in common. You would think, but they're—they're they're being paired together. What did you think of the tag team? You know, I thought it was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like. You know, it's like uh, the one, two, three kid and Sid. That's like Mutt and Jeff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. It was it was interesting to see them together. You know, we do hear though from like actually, as a matter of fact, it's Arne Anderson has said like a, a lot of times it's guys who do not have anything in common that make a really strong tag team. And you know, I guess we've seen some of that throughout the years. But here in the WWF, it's like it's the guys who have everything in common that have had success, like Legion of Doom and Demolition and the Rockers. You know, I can think of ten more examples. I don't know. Like I guess the Hart Foundation was an exception where they had the Anvil and they had Bret Hart. But I don't know. It was it was strange it was unique to be sure right yeah 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 um so during this time i I mean you're managing kid and and sid here it's uh sid as we've talked about sid on a few occasions where you were hired to kind of be help him keep his oars in the water so to speak um at this point he has not yet been the wwf champion did you view him as a guy who was uh who would you know who had earned a spot as, as champion or could be a flag bearer for the company uh, well, again, you know, he, he could be, but again, it's like, uh, you know, not everybody's got the same gifts, you know, and, uh, you know, for me, the bottom line was always, you know, to me, I, my, my perception is that if, if you're going to put a championship belt on a, on a guy, he's got to be the, he's, he's got to be a guy who can get in that ring with whoever you put him in the ring with. Mm. and make a match. And that wasn't always done, you know. Um, and I guess there's other there were other ways that Vince protected some of these guys. But to me, I mean, you know, Sid was, you know, Sid was, yeah, I mean, he was extremely believable. Yeah. You know, and he, and he, he, he got a good interview. He did. But, you know, he, you know, he didn't always have the in-ring talent that, you know what I'm saying? Yes. You know, you know, he was, he, he was like a big guy. Uh, and, and of course, you know, there was a lot of things that obviously he wouldn't do, but I guess for his size and, uh, and everything, you know, he could, he could pretty well work his gimmick. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, and, 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 and work his style with, with a lot of guys and in that way it was it was very effective so you know do i think he's 
one of the greatest of all times, you know, no, but uh, he wasn't, yeah, he was, he, he was, he was good. He was and jumped off the page, man. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who looks like he belongs on a WrestleMania poster. It's Sid, you know, his yeah. body, that, that real intense look he would get in his eyes when he would do like a promo. Like he, he's got a couple of the really important elements for success down. But yeah, it's, you know, the ring work certainly was not one of them. Okay, guys, let's take a quick break to talk about taking care of some serious business. And I'm talking about taking care of business in the bedroom. And if you're trying to take care of business, you need to try Blue Chew. Guys, let's just take a minute to talk about sex. You remember back in the day when you were always ready to go? Well, with a little help from Blue Chew, you can get that thing so hard you can take it hunting. It's going to help increase your performance and regain that old confidence in bed. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready when the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And you want to know the best part? It's all done online. No awkward visits to the doctor's office, no weird conversations, no waiting in line at the pharmacy anymore. Blue Chew's tablets are made right here in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. But of course, there will be nothing discreet about your package. Look, guys, I ordinarily like to try things before I make any kind of a commitment, you know, because you want to find out, is this actually going to work? Will it work for me? Well, that's good. That's got to be the best part of this whole thing. With our deal, you can try it for a month for free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. This whole time, you and your partner may have been having the best sex of your whole life and been missing out on it without even knowing. So why not just give Blue Chew a shot? Just find out. You know, when you can get it for a month for free with only $5 shipping, it's silly not to just give it a try. Women are attracted to confidence and Blue Chew can help to give you confidence where it counts the very most. Don't wait any longer. Let's chew it and do it. Take advantage of our special deal. Again, you can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code EGAP at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code EGAP, and receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Um, okay, so a guy who is on the show that I'm not sure we'll get to talk about much is Buddy Landell. He's going to put over Ahmed Johnson here to set up an angle with Jeff Jarrett. Buddy is really highly regarded as a wrestler, and most people say that he could have been a huge star if he could have controlled his issues with substance abuse. Did you get to spend a lot of time around Buddy? I was around Buddy, you know, and, you know, and I was. I was, and I, he was in Mid South as, as well. I think that's where I first met him was Mid South. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he did have talent. He was very talented. And, and you, you already said it, you know, that, you know, he killed himself because of all the, you know, the, the, the other crap he got into. Man, like I, I hear all the time that he was just this unbelievable performer, like in ring, great connection with the audience, great at getting heat. He was not like a body guy or anything like that. But man, like when it came yeah. to just like ring knowledge, I, I, apparently he was just it. He was good. He was very good. Yeah, it's a shame, uh, you know, because you, you think about a guy like that and the kind of future that he could have had. You know, he's still a relatively young man here during this time. And it's yeah. like, you know, his career is essentially over shortly after this. Yeah. 
All right. Well, man, am I excited to ask you about this next part, Ted. Henry Godwin and Hunter Hearst Helmsley will meet here in a hog pen match, which Triple H is going to win when Godwin misses a tackle and goes into, into the pen, which is the stipulation for the match. If you get dumped into the mud, you lose the match. Uh, afterwards, Triple H is going to get press slammed into the mud and slip around in the dirt and muck to give everybody a happy ending. So, Ted, a hog pen match in pro wrestling. Uh, what do you think of the concept? Well, it's, you know, it's kind of like um, you always, you, you're always looking for something new, something, something fresh and giving the, and giving the people something that they've never seen before. And in wrestling, that's hard to do because just about everything you can think of, you know, uh, cage match, uh, uh, Casket match, uh, uh, yeah, lad, uh, ladder match, and this match and that match, and you know, but you know, so sure, p- pig pen match. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> I mean, it's memorable. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's something I remember all these years. Well, and, you know, and, and as you as you would as you present that to a, 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 of the fan base, you know, they're going to go, wow, that's that's different. We got to see that. So. Uh, Ted, rumor has it that you took the slop bucket from the Godwins on a couple of occasions where they would dump the mud and or whatever out onto you. Uh, is that correct? Yeah. You remember getting the slop bucket? Oh yeah. Time? Oh yeah. <laughs> what? What was well, that? Again, and of course I'm a you know I'm a heel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a heel, so yeah. Why not? I mean, you know, the, you know what? Who, who better to you know a heel manager? Uh, uh, ultimately, that's what he gets. <laughs> you, know, you know, if it's not the slot bucket, it's something. You know, it works too because you're always wearing a suit out there, and you're like very kind of like arrogant. So all of a sudden, these farmers are just going to dump whatever it is pig shit on you. <laughs> like it's it's pretty good stuff. What was actually in the bucket? Do you recall? Uh, well, it wasn't it wasn't uh, cow manure. You know, I don't know. I'm not sure what it was, but it was it wasn't the real deal. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Yeah, yeah, because I, you know, I wouldn't have been standing there for that. I've heard, now I don't know how true this is, I have heard over the years that some guys, depending on who is getting the slot bucket, would mess with the bucket. Like they would like maybe pee in there a little bit or uh, put some other kind of trash or refuse inside of there. Uh-huh. I don't think that that happened to you. I want to say that that happened to Sunny or something. I think she was getting heavily ribbed at the time. I think you'd know if you got something uh, other than just yeah. like some mud oh, dumped yeah. on you, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I, I got, you know, I never, uh, I never crossed anybody. Like I said, I, 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 I mind my own, mind my own business, you know, as long as it didn't, you know, I, I would analyze it that way. You know, it's kind of like, how's, what, how's this look for me? How's this look for my team? You know, am I being asked to do something that's ridiculous? And that was never asked of me. So, you know, and like the slot bucket thing, I thought that was a great deal. No, I agree. It just makes sense to have Ted DiBiase, oh, yeah. the million dollar man, take the slot bucket. Yeah. What better guy to take the slot bucket? <laughs> Finally, somebody, you know, somebody <laughs> shut that guy up. <laughs> it just makes perfect sense. Uh, I also want to talk to you about the Undertaker versus Mabel in a casket match at this event. First, I'd love to know what you thought of Mabel and the big push that he received in the company as a heel during this time. Obviously, he wasn't going to be, you know, a guy that that size and looking like that, you know, he's not going to, he's not going to be a great wrestler. 
he's gonna have to you know he's, he's got to work within the, the confines of, of, of what he looks like again Andre the Giant was a great worker because he knew how to make the most out of he knew he knew how he would you know handle anybody and could find a way that logically in other words who in their right mind would think that anybody had a chance to beat Andre the Giant? I mean, here's this guy, seven feet four, just all 460 pounds, you know, but like in the, in the course of the match, you know, he'd find a way to like, maybe he'd go for a clothesline and somebody would, you know, they would, they would duck under it and they would come, they would come from behind and, and, and like almost clothesline him at the knee from behind, which would make him go to his knee. Now, now he's on his knees and now they're face to face. You see what I'm saying? So Andre was a was a giant. Maybe not as you know, of course not. You know, this known for being this you know technical marvel in the ring. But he knew his gimmick well enough to know yeah. like the 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 psychology behind it. Getting chopped down essentially as yeah. as a big giant, right? Yeah. So exactly. it. So maybe a guy like like Mabel could have had more success if he had you know borrowed some of some of the notions that made Andre successful. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, he, you know, I didn't see him going anywhere for very long, and he didn't. No, uh, he he'd end up, you know, being in and out of the company here uh, for for a while. But no, I mean, you know, certainly never reached the main event status that Vince seemed to have him uh, have him, you know, set for. And you know, it's interesting too at this time because Vince is going a little bit smaller, more athletic with guys like Brett as champion. Soon, Shawn Michaels is going to be champion, but still, he's featuring these monster versus monster type matches with Mabel pretty consistently after Mabel wins the King of the Ring here. Uh, so, a little hypothetical before we get to our final clip this week. Um, I'm just curious more than anything because because of you and, and your stature in the business and your knowledge, you know, if Vince were to come to you during this time, because it does feel like he's just kind of like trying stuff like, okay, well, Diesel was champion and eh, that didn't really work. Okay. Let's put it back on Brett. Let's see if this Mabel guy has some potential. Okay. That's not working. We'll give it to Sean. So like, he's just kind of feeling things out to see what direction he's going to move in post Hulk Hogan. So if Vince had come to you during this time and said, Hey, Ted, I'd love your opinion. Like, who do you think is the champion? Who who who's my marquee guy that I need to put all my juice behind? Uh, well, you know Brett Brett because Brett but you know Brett would be in contention for for sure because we came from the same psychology of wrestling, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, yeah, you know, not not all the gimmicks and and everything, but two guys who went out there and and used used their talent and had a match where you're in and out of holes and you get heat and you make comebacks and and you and you build it and you build a story to a, a crescendo, you know. And a lot of the people that you know uh, Vince put in the ring didn't have the ability to do that. And of course, but that but again, you know, I'm trying to look at it through. Vince's eyes. Vince is trying to create something that's in it. It's it sports entertainment, and it's almost it's almost like going to a circus. Mm-hmm. You got a little something for everybody. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and and that's what's interesting about this era is like, yep, Bret Hart. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to argue like he's the guy in the ring. Like, there's on the face of the planet, there's probably nobody better during that time than Bret Hart. Um, But that being said, it's that's not really what Vince is selling anymore. Like, he's trying to sell entertainment, 
And like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to make a choice among the the rosters there at the time of who to who you'd want to make your champion. Yeah, well, and that's just it. It's it's old school versus whatever you know. The, you know, and again, uh, you know, I I didn't always agree with what Vince did, and and Vince even said that he says you we can agree to disagree. He says, and he says, but he says if you don't agree with something, tell me what tell me what we could do that would, would be better. And, and that, 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 that was it. It was, I, I grew up in the, I grew up in the, in one era. I grew up when, when wrestling was still, you know, like, um, wrestling, you know, and now, you know, Vince is, is almost like making it a cartoon, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't like that, you know, but I mean, again, you know, from where I sit today and I realize what in fact he was doing. And now it's like, you know, you got, you've got wrestling video games and wrestling action figures and, and all of this merchandise, uh, toys, uh, that kids can buy. He was, he was marketing the marketing to a younger crowd. Yep. And, like, it, like it or not, he, yeah. he turned it into like pop culture. Yeah. And, and you know what? He was successful. And so, uh, again, <laughs> um, you know, kudos to him. I mean, I mean I'm grateful, uh, grateful, grateful, grateful because if it hadn't been for Vince, I mean, I was, you know, uh, you know, he put in me this character, uh, envisioned this character for me that, you know, I took it and ran with it. And, uh, you know, uh, again, I'm one of those guys benefiting. I get a quarter, I get a quarterly royalties check from the WWE for merchandise sales and video games and all that stuff. And, and I'll just keep getting that. Well, thank you. Thank you, Vince. You know, uh, but again, it's just like, it was just kind of like, uh, because I, I, I grew up in the business, uh, you know, uh, and watched my dad and how it was then and, 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 and how I, I saw it going forward is like you know, I put I put the monkey suit on uh, to be the million dollar man I cut the interviews and I was the main but when I got in the ring and took the suit off I wrestled exactly like I was I had always wrestled mm-hmm. and so you know uh, you know I, it's easier for me to see what Vince was doing then from where I am now than, than I could see it when I was there and obviously, you know, the way that things turned out, the million dollar man is is your legacy, uh, which is which is awesome. It is kind of fun to hypothetically kind of think of like, what if Black Love Ted had been brought into <laughs> WWF? As, man, could have been a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of fun, Ted, let's end this one on a really fun note. I teased it at the top of the show and we discussed the Santa Claus character previously on our Steve Austin episode. But uh, when we covered it, we didn't watch the actual segment that led to the moment. Let's have a look at the final clip this week, and uh, I'm excited to see your reaction to this one. Cheap. That's right, you do. 
I don't, I don't think, think so. If you don't think I can't buy you, you, you got so. the guts. Then come on up here in the rain right now. That's right. And I'll prove it to you and all these people, everybody watching at home, that I can buy you. Throw me one of them t-shirts, fat boy. Oh, and bring your fat jolly friend along with you. Don't tell me, Savio Vega, I've sold out and can't give me off in space. I don't believe this. There we go, that's right. Come on in here, Santa. Ho, ho, ho. What do you think, what do you think his price would be? Two tacos and a burrito? I have a question for you, Savio. Right now, there are millions of kids all around the world and watching it home on television who believe in Santa Claus. I can't think of anything more ridiculous in my life. I mean, look at him. He's a great big, overweight, fat slob. Look at that. White hair, white beard. I mean, not only is he big and fat, but he's ancient. You're going to tell me he can circle the globe in one night and deliver toys to everybody up and down the chimney? Yeah. Personally, I don't think he can get from the couch to the refrigerator without blowing a fuse. <laughs> My question to do is this. Stop disparaging Santa. Do you Santa. believe in Santa Claus? Primero, Mr. Million Dollar Man. Tú has tratado de destruir la imagen de mi amigo Santa Claus. First, Mr. Million Dollar Man. You try to destroy the magic of Santa Claus. You, know you try to buy Savio Vega. Savio Vega, I don't have a pride for you and for anybody. All right, there you have it. You then. ask me if I believe in Santa Claus. Wow. For all my little friends right here. For the one is watching on TV right now. For my Latin American people, I believe in the magic of Santa Claus. See, si, yo creo en Santa Claus. Hey, Lucy, I'm home. Oh, wait a minute. Now, one more time. The last thing you said, please, in English. I say, Mr. Million Dollar Man, yes, I believe in the magic of Santa Claus. <laughs> well, you see there, there's one born every day. So you believe in Santa Claus? Well, if you believe in Santa Claus, then believe this, my friend. <laughs> Wait a minute. What, <laughs> what is right, this? That's right. What, yeah, what is this? This is great. Merry Christmas. There you go. There you go. The million dollar yeah. man has bought Santa! That's what? Right, Santa. What do you mean he it bought Santa? <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love you also getting in on the action at the end. Like, oh, gosh, you know, until I saw that, I forgot I, I did it. <laughs> yeah. Where was that? that? Oh, gosh. Where was this? Oh, it was Hershey, PA. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. That was. That was good stuff. I think I think a lot of fans are going to see that and be like, oh, this is just ridiculous stuff. And it's like, hey, guys, let's remember that this was not meant for us. They're referencing Santa Claus. They're, you know, this was for the children in the audience yeah. and to get a story over that Ted DiBiase bought Santa, which is just it's fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Oh, man, I liked it. It led to that silly Santa Claus thing, uh, which we discussed uh, that like basically evil Santa being part of the WWF for about a day. And then uh, that came to an end. But yeah, it was uh, man, man, I enjoyed it. I, Ted, if you were to give that a Melter star rating out of five, what would you give it? <laughs> what do you mean? A Melter star rating? <laughs> yeah, Melter, Melter always ranks matches. And That's shit. what I just watched. 
I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was kind of like, yeah, it's like, uh, uh, well, well, where, where Christmas is concerned, you know, I don't know. I, I mean, I was a villain. That, that's the whole, that's the whole thing everybody needs to remember in the context of what they were seeing. You know, I mean, I, you know, I, I, I would never in a million years, uh, uh, break the hearts of millions of children. Uh, because for all you little kids that are out there who might be listening to this, you know, and I know that Santa Claus is absolutely 100% real and he's coming and he's going to come to your house just like he's going to come to my house. And boy, I hope he's got me something good this year. <laughs> I love baby face Ted here on the podcast. That is, that's a new De Ted DiBiase for us. <laughs> and like, look, I want all the listeners we can get. I hope that we don't have children listeners because I've been saying shit a lot on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. <Me>. yeah. <laughs> but uh, hey, hey, if they're out there, amazing. Um, well, Ted, that is going to do it for this week. This was a blast. Uh, next week, it's another episode of Ask Ted Anything. Uh, you actually put it out as we're recording today on your social media and already just getting a massive, massive reaction. So we're going to have tons of questions uh, from all you fans next week. Before we go, I want to remind you all that if you'd like to get this podcast with no commercials and get access to a ton of sports, entertainment, and other shows, get over to PremierStreamingNetwork.com. Get signed up for Premier Plus. If you're a wrestling fan, you are just going to love it. Myself and Tedder over there. Rob Van Dam has got a podcast with my brother Dom over there. Just content for everybody. Again, it's PremierStreamingNetwork.com, Premier Plus. If you're enjoying our show and you're listening on your podcast app, just do Ted and I a quick favor. Do us a, Give us a Christmas gift. It takes only a minute. Like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review. That'll help Ted and I out a, a ton. Uh, you can follow Ted on social at MDM Ted DiBiase on all of his social media. Follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on X and follow Premier Streaming Network at Watch on Premier on X and at Premier Streaming Network on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Ted, it was fun to look back to the new generation era with you again. We're going to have a few more stops back during that period of time over the course of the show. But, uh, man, I, I think that was a good way to, uh, you know, enjoy the Christmas season, right? I think so, too. And, of course, you know, we're going to we're going to do this. We're going to record again next week. Uh, before, actually, we'll record before Christmas, correct? Yes, sir. We got one more shot at it, right? We got one more shot of before uh, Santa shows up, right? So that's right. Okay, I'm yep. ready. <laughs> I'm I'm ready too, man. Always a pleasure to chat with you. My pleasure, and as I always have to remember, all of you, uh, even at this Christmas season. Even when we are overjoyed with the Christmas spirit, everybody still has a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> Santa certainly proved it in that clip, and uh, we'll, we'll prove it again next week, right here on Everybody's Got a Pod.